Liz Goodrich is an incumbent and vice chair of the Redmond School Board. She was elected in 2019. She works at the Deschutes County Library, where she organizes library programs and events for adults, and she previously worked as a public school teacher. This conversation is being recorded on March 29th, 2023. Liz Goodrich, welcome to the Radical Songbook. Thanks, Michael. Good to be here. Appreciate it very much. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself? Sure, I'd love to. You know, um, especially when it comes to my role um, and desire to serve a second term on the school board, you know, I come from a long line of public educators. My grandmother was a public educator, my grandfather, um, my father, my brother. Uh, I'm married to a public school teacher. So living in the world of public schools is something I'm I'm very comfortable with, feel very at home um, in that in that world. Uh, both my boys, I have two uh, grown sons, and they both attended public schools um, K through 12, both out in Redmond. Um, got wonderful educations um, in those public schools, and that that is why I'm a, a supporter. Knowing that my kids' experience isn't the same experience that every student has. Um, students have their own individual struggles, their own individual paths, but I'm committed to improving outcomes for, for all of those kids so they have a quality education when they leave our buildings. So that's just a little bit about me. I, you know, I've been married for 25 years, um, grew up in Bend. I, my family moved here in 78, uh, went to Pilot Butte Middle School, graduated from um, Bend High School, and went off to college did some grown-up things, or young adult things, actually, and then uh, came back to Central Oregon in, in 1999. And we've lived in Redmond since then, and um, but I, we love Redmond, and I'm super happy to be a part of uh, serving the public in Redmond. So you've been on, on the school board for four years. Um, how do you feel about your first term on the board? Um, you know what? What do you feel you were able to accomplish? And and I guess in terms of running for re-election, what do you feel that you still want to accomplish, and what needs to be done? Yeah, those are both uh, really good questions. So people ask me, you know, how long have you been on the school board? And I have glibly started re- replying like 800 years because sometimes that's what it feels like. You know, I was elected in in 2019, uh, right before the pandemic. You know, I was on the board for less than six months, and then public education, well, our world changed dramatically, uh, and we had to figure out how, what public education in the, in the age of COVID was going to look like, and it just felt like we were constantly shooting at a moving target. Things just were changing so rapidly. Um, and, I, and, and I would say, you know, everybody, everybody was learning. Everybody was doing the best that they could to keep their kids and their staff help safe um, and still being able to deliver uh, education remotely. Um, I have lots of feelings about whether or not we were successful in that, about that in that area. Um, but I do think over the last, during, during my tenure, I think we've done some really pretty amazing things. We passed a bond in 2020. So in the middle of the pandemic, we ran a bond campaign um, and those funds were used to improve the health and safety 
and capacity of our buildings. We have a, a lot of deferred maintenance projects that these bond funds have have covered. Um, we improved graduation rates. We hired a superintendent. Uh, we increased our um, career and technical education offerings. We increased transparency about what it is the school district's doing. Um, you know, we've done, uh, we sold, sold some district property to pay for improvements out at the JQA uh, sports complex. Uh, so we did do, you know, in spite of all the pandemic stuff, we were still moving, moving things forward the best that we could. Um, there was a lot of drama in the last two years uh, that thankfully has, um, we've moved away from, and I'm thankful for that. Um, but the reason why I'm, I'm running again is, you know, I've, I've, I haven't left everything I have to give on the table yet. I, I feel strongly about continuing my work to improve the outcomes for every student. Uh, and my three areas of focus really are, um, you know, improving, improving outcomes for every kid by meeting every student where they are for who they are. You know, everybody's path is not the same. You might, you might have a kid who's doing AP classes. You might have a kid who is on an IEP or l learning English as a second language. And the needs of every one of those students is different, and we need to, to meet those needs. Uh, I also, I'm also committed to building safer and more welcoming schools. I mean, this, our buildings are um, on their way to being safer, but there's always more that we can do. And, you know, I believe school safety happens inside the building, too. You know, kids and, and bullying and kids and bullying on social media and um, that that's part of a safe school as well. And then my third my third point, my third thing that I'm after is protecting academic and intellectual freedom for our students and our and our teachers. So those are my three areas of focus that I want to to, to continue to work on. Um, should I be reelected? So the first you mentioned was improving uh, outcomes for all students, and what. Um, can you can you amplify on that a little bit in terms of what you feel the board can do uh, in that regard? Yeah, well, the board, you know, the board's got four major functions. Um, one of them is approving policy, and so a lot of our policies are about built are built around students, um, academic instruction, um, all the safety and well-being policies. So, so adopting those policies to move kids along. Um, and, I, and I think also the board can spend some time talking about, you know, we've gotten kind of, we need to talk, every conversation that we have as a board needs to be focused on how are things going to improve for students. How will this policy improve a student's experience in our public school? Um, all the rest of, of the of the rhetoric that seems to be happening on school boards across the country, unless it's rooted in improving outcomes for kids, it, it's, it's, it's not really necessary. It's not really necessary. It's extraneous. Um, so what can we, what can be done to improve those outcomes? Is it adding additional extracurriculars? Is it adding more rigorous opportunities for kids who are who are going down that path. So I think there's, I think there's a lot um, a board can do to 
improve the outcomes for kids. And on the question of safety and, and um, welcoming, making schools more welcoming, um, that's an issue that crosses a lot of a lot of areas in terms of um, um, students of color, GLBTQ students, disabled students, um, and the whole question of, of them feeling more comfortable and included in schools and also feeling safer. So it, it's the safety is, as you said, is kind of a broad category. And where, where does the school board, what can the school board do uh, on that issue, on those issues? Right. So I, I thank you for picking that up. I, I mean, like I said before, I think safety is about, it's not just about the building, making the building safer for our students and staff, but also, you know, what's happening inside. Um, I think there's, there's, there's lots of policies that are designed to protect students that come from particular groups. We have lots of, you know, policies that are designed to increase representation in curriculum and in our staff. Um, kids need to be seen for who they are and welcomed for uh, what they're bringing to the school. And we, we know that's not, we know that it's not the experience for a lot of, a lot of kids. Um, you know, discipline, we, restorative practices of which Redmond just sort of started dipping its toe into. You know, when you have a student who's being bullied, um, putting them, you know, working through the restorative practice so they are made whole and the person who is, who has perhaps, you know, been the, been the bully, um, but they have the opportunity to be made whole too through this restorative practice. Um, we, social emotional learning needs, needs to continue happening in our buildings. Um, you know, that's become sort of a, a buzzword for people. They think that social emotional learning is the gateway to critical race theory. Um, but some, sometimes kids need a little help on how to be nice to each other and, how to have empathy for one another and, and be nice and being empathetic are, are, they're not, they're not dirty. Those are not dirty words. Those are good things to know how to do. And what, and what about the, the building safety aspect? Um, yeah. So the bond that we passed, this is exciting. The bond that we passed in 2020 um, installed new communication systems that um, improve the response time from um, first responders, and every school is going to have a secure vestibule. We're putting our first secure vestibule at Obsidian Middle School online over spring break, and then all the rest of the schools will have their uh, entry, their primary entry upgraded this summer. So by the start of school next year, you know, all the buildings will have a sec secure, single secure vestibule accessible only by key cards. We'll know who has the key cards. Um, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's a, it's, um, it's an improvement over what we have. It's, it's a terrifying and sad conversation that, that public schools have to have about how do you harden your buildings without making the buildings seem like prisons for your students who are, who are there just trying to learn. And that's a pretty delicate balance. So the third thing that you mentioned, um, and I think I, I scribbled this down, but you were you're protecting intellectual freedom. Is that how you phrase it? 
That is how I phrased it. So, um, okay. intellect, you know, being a, being a, working for the library, working for the public library, um, I obviously feel strongly about First Amendment rights. Um, and the First Amendment, First Amendment rights are based on, uh, the ability to access information. And if you can't access information, you're not necessarily able to exercise your First Amendment rights fully. And when do, you know, people, when do, when does, um, when does intellectual freedom start? You know, when does a person have agency to exercise their intellectual freedom? And, um, you know, I, I believe intellectual freedom, there is no, it's not like you turn 10 and suddenly you can exercise your intellectual freedom. Um, so I'm not in favor of removing books from libraries. Uh, I am in favor of parents understanding what their kids are um, bringing home to read. But one family's, what one family wants for their child or not want for their child shouldn't be applied to another family. So, yes, you as a parent have a right to not have your child read that book from the library, but you don't have a right to tell me what my kid can read, can or can't read. So that's that's intellectual freedom in a nutshell. Like you should be able to choose what you want to read or choose what you don't want to read. Yeah, these are these are issues that over the past, as you well know, as over the past few years have really um, popped up. Where you know parents who are saying that their students that students are being taught to feel guilty or to hate white students are being taught to feel guilty or to hate themselves through the supposed teaching of critical race theory and the demands for banning books. What if you have any more thoughts on that? It would be it would be good to hear. But also, just what role do you think parents should play in public education? You know, it's a partnership. It is absolutely a partnership. I think parents have rights when it comes to their children in public schools. I think parents have responsibilities, too, when it comes to their children in public schools. But I also think that teachers, um, they're, pro they're professionals. They're, they're, high, you know, they're highly trained professionals. And, you know, some of the things that teachers are being called out for you know, teaching, it makes, it breaks my heart. You know, these are people who've spent their, their life's work educating and teaching kids and suddenly being told that you're, you know, eight, you're doing this A, B, C, and D to my student. And it's just, it's really heartbreaking. And, and like I said, parents have rights. They can, they can opt out of certain parts of the curriculum that they don't want their student to to participate in, or they can also make the choice to go to a charter school. They can do online schooling. They can do homeschooling, or they can go to a, they can go to a private school. You know, the the idea that you know, public schools were designed to build better citizens, and you do that through a broad digestion of of topics and ideas. And to limit those does not improve outcomes for our kids, in my opinion. So you mentioned teachers. How can the board, um, a school board, work uh, work with and help teachers? Well, in Redmond specifically, um, 
you know, our teachers are the, some of the lowest paid teachers in the region. So, you know, we are going into contract negotiations um, next month, actually. No, in May. Um, and, you know, t- now is a, a scary, it's a hard time to be a teacher. It's a hard time to be a, li- a, a public school staff person, teachers and support staff. It's hard. Things are hard out there. And giving them more money is a place to start. Um, it's not going to make the work any easier. It might make it feel better to get more money, I guess. But I think there's there are ways that we can resource teachers better. Is it through professional development opportunities? Is it um, a better contract, better benefits? Is it time, protecting time during the week for them to work collaboratively collaboratively with each other. Um, but I you know I've talked a lot to teachers out in the buildings and they're they're just they're tired right now um, and stretched and feel under the microscope a lot. And um, so I, I think and and I think we might start with asking the teachers, what is it that you, how is it that we could support you better? Um, after a, a better contract, how how can the district support the teachers? Maybe we just need to ask them. Maybe they'd have some good ideas. So um, uh, one area of concern um, that we're hearing about, of course, is just the whole question of um, student achievement. And you've, you've touched a bit on that in terms of outcomes, but w- w- what are some of the other, what are some of the broad areas of concern that you have regarding student achievement in, to, in terms of things like um, graduation rates and, and just, you know, achieving uh, reading and writing, the, you know, basic skills and, and beyond that? Yeah, we yeah that's a good question. Um, I did mention, I think, earlier that our graduation rates have improved, but you could, you could probably um, say that those improvements are made because they changed some of the graduation requirements during the pandemic and they haven't reverted back to what they were pre-pandemic. Uh, yeah, we had some alarming, alarming statistics um, that are raising big concerns. Our, our third grade reading rate, our ninth grade on track to graduate, um, there are statistics that should be alarming to everybody working in public education. Um, is it because of the pandemic? Not entirely, but certainly exacerbated. Uh, why that I'm excited about for, for our district, um, we are just right now in the process of adopting language arts curriculum for K-5, and we are looking at curriculums that are rooted in the science of reading, which is, if, if I told, you know, science of reading is all about phonetics, you know, understanding the root words and prefixes and suffixes, it probably sounds like you know, it, it sounds very much like how I learned to read the science of reading. But in the last couple of decades, we've gone away from the science of reading and sort of embraced this idea of whole language learning, where we're asking kids to make some guesses about words based on pictures on the page. And what, we're, what we are learning now is that that does not give them tools to to learn to be a better reader. That makes them a better guesser, but it doesn't give them the reading skills that we want them to have. So 
our district is shifting away from this whole language learning idea, which was which is very sweet. It's very sweet. I, I like it. You know, the whole language learning idea says kids will learn to be readers because we give them great stories to read and we teach them how to decode things. Uh, and it's just, it's just not proven to be true. So the data does not support it. So going back to this science of reading, but it's a big deal because our teachers are going to have to learn how to teach that way. You know, a lot of them maybe remember a little bit about that, but there's going to, there's going to be some insert, there's going to be some extensive inservicing. How can teachers start teaching based on the science of reading um, method? So, you know, hopefully that'll, and, and we know that if you can't, if, if a student isn't a reader, a proficient reader, it just cascades from there. You can't, you can't read the math problems. You can't read your history test. You know, if you're not, if you don't have that foundational skill of reading, so many other skills suffer. So I, I, I'm hope I'm excited. This is I think I think the teachers that I've been um, another board member and I have been sitting in on these curriculum adoptions, and they're excited because they've seen these kids um, and the deficits that the kids are bringing to the classroom, and that they have to be addressed in a in a in a pressing, a meaningful way. So Redmond, of course, has um, more than Bend. It has, I believe, your school district has a, a higher percentage of uh, Latino or Spanish-speaking students. How, how do you feel that your district, the Redmond School District, is is doing in terms of working with those students? Yeah, we have um, twenty twenty percent uh, of our student body identifies as students of color. Um, not all Latino, um, but you know, we have a great dual language program. Um, we have a lot, we have a lot of English language learner supports in place. Uh, but we, this is an area that, that I have concerns about. They're not, we need to engage more, um, with that, that group of people, that, those groups of families and students. Um, they, that 20%, they, they deserve to have, they deserve to have a bigger say than what, they currently have, and how do we, how do we make that happen? I don't know. Like representation matters. They need to see themselves in their in the staff, on the board, um, and and hopefully bringing them into the conversation so we can make sure that we're meeting meeting the needs that they have. We have you know data shows us that that um, oh and I I don't want to get this wrong but graduation rates um, within the Latinx community in our district has in, has improved. And that's that's a good thing, and we need to to keep that up. We need to keep that up and 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 keep mo- moving forward. But engagement um, needs to needs to improve. I always like to ask my guests if there's anything I should have asked you that I didn't, or if there's anything else beyond that that you want our listeners to know. And what I do want people to know is that it's been a real priv- it's been a privilege and a, a really wonderful opportunity uh, to serve to serve the community that I love so much and that's why I'm, I'm seeking re-election I'm not done I, I have more to offer I have more to give and so signing up for a second term is something that I it was an easy decision for me that being said knowing 
there were some really hard times in the last couple of years. Um, but I've, I've learned that I can be pretty tough and I can, I've learned that I can really be focused on the important work of keeping the students' needs in the top of mind all the time. Like that should be, that, that question, how will outcomes be improved for kids should be the basis of every decision that the board makes. And I'm, I'm looking forward to serving a term, a second term, and I hope, hope people will consider voting for me. And how can people get involved in your campaign or get in touch with your campaign? Oh, you know, I have a website this time around. Didn't have that last time. Um, it's L-I-Z number four redmondschools.org. Um, or no, dot com, sorry. Can you say that again? Sure. Um, Liz number four redmondschools.com. And I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, and I just found out uh, a couple days ago that there's some students, there's some students from RPA that have launched a Liz Goodrich TikTok page, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> so I don't have anything to do with it, but I, 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 uh, I do go look at it every now and then, like, see what they're doing over there on the TikTok. Well, I didn't want to learn, I didn't want to learn how to do it. I have no desire to, to learn how to do that, but I think it's awesome. You know, it's, it's something else that I think is pretty important that students need to be brought into this conversation too, don't they? You know, they are the ultimate consumers of the, of what public schools are trying to do. And yet we don't ever bother to ask them. Or if we do ask them, it's on a very superficial level. So I'm super curious about what the kids are up to these days. All right. Well, Liz Goodrich, thanks so much for joining me here on the Radical Songbook. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Michael. I appreciate you.